to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, July 27, 2018. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. And joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Doug, Erica, Tiffany, and Elliot. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. So we miss Gabby today, and hopefully we get to see her next week. Uh, today, we are talking about tomorrow. <laughs> that was good. Wah, wah. Uh, dystopia or utopia and so we've had a number of shows recently where we talked about different technological things we talked about Wi-Fi EMF um, you know distraction from phones and social media and how that impacts impacts our, our lives and our mental health and all that um, so not to beat a dead horse but today we were before the show we were having a discussion like we should just kind of talk about where the future is going and like what people think about it um, <clears throat> so that's kind of today. So maybe a little bit more speculative, but it should be fun. Uh, so yeah, um, we uh, we wanted to cover a, a broad range of topics, uh, but mainly uh, the idea around is this good or bad? Quick caveat, I know that that's very simplistic to say. So that's hard. <laughs> you can't just say it's good or bad. But what we're looking at is like, what are the positives and what are the negatives? And like, are there positives? I, I think that there are some. Do the negatives outweigh the positives? All of that, you know, are we all going to end up with tumors in our heads in the next 10 years? Uh, the research says no. Yeah. <laughs> Scientists say no. So, uh, well, yeah. I'm pretty but, satisfied with the level of technological advancement that we already have. Hmm. Like, I don't need anything, um, anything more. I'm satisfied with my internet connectivity i like youtube i like learning a bunch of stuff on the world wide web the only thing that i would want extra is teleportation <laughs> that would be awesome but That's other than that i'm much. good <laughs> but tiff don't you want to be able to like start your oven from your t-shirt when you're like <laughs> six miles away from your house or like no. turn on your air conditioner before you get home if you have one. <laughs> yes. No, you I just want to teleport. <laughs> yeah, and don't you want your fridge to tell you when you're running out of eggs? Like Jonathan yeah. does. Like, <laughs> like, like all these that, things just sound so unbelievably amazing. Like just think yeah. about how good your life would be if you, you know, could use your car to free up all that time. Wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, that, and that fridge is a real thing. I mean, I think people are probably generally aware of this now, but I was just at a furniture store the other day, and I'd heard of smart fridges, and I was like, all right, you know, but um, saw one there, and yeah, they have things that will track barcodes, they'll track stock, all that kind of thing, and they'll send pings to your phone. Pretty soon, they're going to be playing cooking shows on the door, on a screen. Oh, oh. it's like being <laughs> so, at the gas station where they have yes. oh, Where you're assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst. And and don't those uh, the smart fridges um, don't they like keep track of your daily like your weekly gro groceries so they'll yeah. be able to tell you what you what you need or what you're low on and everything like yep. that exactly and then I'm sure that there are like third party apps that will tie it into like you know tracking your diet or whatever how yeah. many calories you're having yeah mm -hmm. and then that information will go to your um, health insurance company yep. and they'll be like your doctor dude has been buying a whole lot of cakes. Yeah, uh, ironically, that, that scenario is actually happening right now in a number of different arenas. I mean, it happens with uh, 
with driving. Now this, I would argue, is maybe one of the benefits with uh, people that have a DUI. No offense to anybody who does, um, <laughs> but, you, but you screwed up, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but where they'll track, you know, the records of the car and they have a breathalyzer in the car and that data is sent to the insurance company and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I still don't even really know um, how I feel about it. So, it's hard, I think, uh, do you want to talk about privacy a little bit and like what is well, what does that mean it like, kind of seems like that is sort of the biggest kind of downside of it like for me yeah. this whole like internet of things this whole this whole hype around it it's kind of like really minor conveniences like somewhat they're not even really that convenient they just kind of seem like frills and what you have to give up in terms of privacy seems huge so it's like i i don't I, I don't see why anybody's actually buying this. A lot of it is just cool. It really is just a cool factor yeah. for a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know. And I think uh, I think that's really what the industry is is taking advantage of. I guess the tech industry at large. Um, some of it is really useful, like when you talk Guys, about AI. Guys, sorry, just oh. sorry, just to yeah. um, there's someone in the chat and he's saying, is oh. anyone getting any sound? So are we are we sure that we're on air? Yeah, he says, uh, says suspended. Can you guys hear us? I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> we can all hear each other. Anybody in the chat? Let's just talk to each us? other. <laughs> no one's responding. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. Ah. Yeah, somebody hear this. Okay. Hey, so we there we go. Being heard. Cool. Yeah, so... trendsetter, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but didn't that start? Okay. Okay, well. Well, I'm glad it's working. Okay. We, okay. I, I, I was just thinking, like, I noticed, uh, I saw something uh, yesterday about uh, they're using AI, you know, tied in with, like, the Google image database to help archaeologists map artifacts that they find and stuff like that. And that's cool, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, this thing, like, cool from a sense that that's practical and it contributes to the culture and the data that we have about ourselves as humanity and all that kind of stuff. But, sure. Um, the minor conveniences... Uh, really are like they straddle the line some of them i think are really useful but you don't you don't need them it's like is something useful because it's more convenient i don't know where i'm going with that i you know like because so let's say i don't want to try to chop wood with an axe that i make myself from a from a rock i'll just go buy an axe you know <laughs> yeah. so if i'm being objective about it how much different is that aside from the obvious presence of technology and Wi-Fi and stuff, improving technology that we use is a natural progression, I think. Well, I would see, I would yeah. question whether it's actually improving it. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it seems to me, like, from what I've read of the Internet of Things, it's like, like I said, it offers these very, very minor kind of neato things. Like, it's not mm -hmm. really anything that's groundbreaking. Yet, it seems like it's just a data grab. Like, basically what mm -hmm. it is is just a, a way for them to gather more and more information about you, about your habits, about your health, about, you know, everything. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't really see it. To me, it seems like the trade-off is ridiculous. Like, yeah. you know, why would I invite all these things into my home so I can have these very minor, neato things that probably won't even turn out to be that cool and yeah. in, in exchange for, you know, giving up any, any sense of privacy? Right. There's, there's that, but... I'd also like to respond to your question, Jonathan, in yeah. that 
Um, the way that I see it is it, it's also um, sort of disrupting our value systems as well as, mm -hmm. as human beings, you know. Um, generally, from the way that I understand it is that we place value on things or, or, or by having to work for something, by having to exert effort and, um, you know, work into a task, it, it, it increases the amount at which we value the thing which we've just accomplished yeah so for instance i have to get some eggs out of the fridge and then i have to crack them into a bowl and take like half an hour mixing loads of flour and cocoa powder and sugar and everything and then putting something into the oven and then waiting an hour and a half doing all the the dishes and then after the hour and a half pull out a really nice cake and i value that cake because mm -hmm. i put lots of work into that cake yeah. Whereas if you just go to the shop and you buy a cake, um, maybe this isn't a very good analogy. But what I'm trying to say is that by removing uh, the 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 act of putting effort into something, then you may start to take advantage of, of things uh, yeah. and lose lose the value in things. And I think that as as a in in a general way, I think we don't value much. Um, you, you know, we we te tend to neglect the the fact that lots of work and lots of effort have been placed into the things, into developing the things that we have uh, at our disposal today. You know, like for instance, the development of cars. You know, that that was a long stretched out process of loads of people experimenting and all of this stuff, and that was like such an amazing thing. But we really kind of just take that for granted, you know, yeah. and. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but if, if, I, I'd like do, to do you add to that. I totally yeah, I'd like to mean, add yeah. to that. I liken it to the whole idea of the benefit of the vacuum cleaner, right? <laughs> so back in the day, you had to sweep or take your rugs outside or, you know, it was a hard physical labor to get your house clean. And then lo and behold came the vacuum cleaner and it was like, great, because you could vacuum everything up. And now it's moving towards that whole Roomba, right? Or the smart tech thing that does it all yourself. And then you don't you don't have any investment in keeping your house clean anymore. All of a sudden it's like everything is done for you. Yeah. So maybe it frees up more time, but for what? Well, and you know? people even And I love vacuum time. cleaners, don't get me wrong. I would rather <laughs> use a vacuum cleaner than sweep. But but I see what you're saying, Elliot. It's like an, an investment, you know? Taking time to clean your house, that's a responsibility, it's a discipline. If you pass that off on technology, what are you left with? Yeah. Well, that's just like with cell phones. Nobody remembers anybody's phone number anymore. Mm -hmm. Or totally. with... Uh, Alexa, or they'll just say, Google, look this up for me, and they can find out something without actually putting in much effort on their own. Yeah. So if you have a house with a bunch of smart appliances that'll tell you when you're running low on eggs, I mean, that's something very simple, and it's probably not a big deal. Like somebody will tell you that you're, you got one egg left in your refrigerator, but that's just one less thing that you are aware of. So I think that a lot of this technology, first it takes away our responsibility to care for ourselves and be attentive and to pay, well, pay attention, be attentive is the same thing. <laughs> but uh, 
I don't know. It's kind of hard to phrase it. It'll just make us even more lazy, I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I agree. You. Here's a question for you. Okay, around the time when, so I'm told, you know, this is this is legend. Like, I don't know if it's actually recorded anywhere, but uh, the idea that you know, once the written word kind of came around. People were very concerned that people would start relying on this and they wouldn't remember things anymore. And, mm -hmm. you know, the oral tradition would kind of be lost because suddenly everybody would be able to write these things down. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, maybe there's a good point to that because apparently they had incredible memories back in the days. They could, like, you know, remember, like, basically pages and pages worth of information that they could rattle off by heart. But, you know, I would still argue that the book and, you know, writing things down was a benefit you know mm -hmm. um so i wonder if we're seeing kind of a same kind of thing here where it's like you know well all this technology is uh is going to make us you know change for the worse but i wonder if it is actually for the worse or if it is just kind of maybe change and maybe we by freeing up brain space for other things have potential to do different things yeah. i don't know i'm, I'm I, speculating i totally I, I agree with with what you're saying i think that what is making it worse is the critical mass of stupid people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, there's always been a lot of stupid people, and there always will be in the population. It's just a law of averages. Uh, but um, with the technology, like Erica, you said that now we have more time. Um, but I, you know, we're definitely de some people are, but most people I think are not using that extra time uh, effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still, what's interesting now too, I think, is there's such, there's really a huge disparity in this country. There, there are young people who have never looked away from a phone. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about how many times do you look at a phone throughout a day, but there are kids who have not looked away from a phone throughout a day, if you think about it that way. And those kids are growing up and they have a completely different set of reference points for the world and everything like that. And, uh, and there are people like, for instance, where I live in a more rural area who, you know, uh, Firefox, what are you talking about? Is that an old god of some kind or, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> so there's a big technological disparity, I think, in this country. And it's kind of, uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, when that younger generation grows up and, or gets older, say, instead of growing up. Uh, and, and, and that makes its way into modern society. We might even be seeing that right now with all of the like really crazy making politics and social issues and how nothing seems nailed down and everything is a crime. And, you know, like that, that uh, amorphous quality to our society might be a result of that, of these young people coming of age mm. with that technology, having influenced their brains as they grew up. So, Maybe this new generation will also be one of the first that has no sense of privacy. Like, as yeah. it is already, everybody puts all their business up on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And uh, I think it... I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, uh, I think that that's definitely the case. I find myself... Like, we were talking about this before the show, and uh, I'm totally going to lose credibility with our audience, but I have a Google Home <laughs> at my house. Uh, I got it. I tried it out, and to tell you the truth, I, I really ended up only using it for speakers. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's great for Chromecasting stuff, um, and uh, <clears throat> the voice. But the voice recognition and the AI and all that is is actually pretty impressive. But I don't find myself organically using it that much. Basically, if my hands are full 
and I'm trying to do something and I'll be like, hey, Google, how do you get iodine off the bathroom counter? You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. But uh, I do find it handy for small conversions, conversion units. You can say what's 1.3 ounces in pounds and it'll come back with that kind of thing. But those are minor. You know, what is it going to take me an extra five seconds to type that in? So I'm not arguing for it. Uh, but I'm telling you from what I see, I'm, I'm starting to feel this sense that I don't I don't care if I'm watched. I, I like to be left alone. I like my physical privacy. I don't like when people drop in and I don't like surprises in my immediate environment, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but I find that more and more as I think about it, I really don't care if I'm if I'm being watched because uh, everybody's being watched. And, you know, the whole like, well, I don't have anything to hide. I mean, honestly, I really don't because I also uh, work hard to follow the law, not from a moral perspective thinking that I should, but because I want to live here and, and live in this society and not have a lot of problems. So the law is one of the biggest, you know, sources of problems um, for people. So okay. I know but. I'm being abstract, but I'm saying I, I do that so that I don't have anything to worry about. And I find that internally when I observe my, my inner dialogue, I begin to care less and less about being watched. So that's my observation on that. And I'm not surprised if, if young people don't care at all or, or maybe even don't have a reference for it. Like watched, what are you talking about? You know? Well, here's a question for you. I mean, for now, you know, the consequences of being watched maybe aren't that great. You know, it's kind right. of like, okay, they've got data on me. They know where I live. They know my political leanings. They know what I had for breakfast. Who cares, right? Yeah. But my concern is that you know who first of all who is that information going to what right. are they doing with it yeah. and while it seems rather innocuous right now what if something happened where like some kind of uh, nefarious sort of political party uh, took hold sure. and you know suddenly it was like they were weeding out people who had unpopular political yep. opinions yep. or opinions on other things and yep. they had access to all this sort of data. I mean, you know, what if, what if like the mainstream medical association took over and started enforcing good diet on people, what they termed good diet, and they looked at the number of eggs that you're eating and said, that's a yeah. lot of cholesterol, Jonathan. Uh, yeah. You're going to have to stop that. Yeah. You know, that, that's where my concern kind of comes in. It's like, yeah, well, now maybe it seems a little innocuous, but, you know, who knows what the future holds on this. Totally. And I want to be very clear that I'm not trying to say it's innocuous. I'm, those are my observations. If I do the, like, and, you know, from, like, the fourth wave material, you do, like, the inner separation. You do the observer, and you're saying, well, it is doing this. So when I perform that exercise, I see that I, I have these feelings about being watched, and I, I find that, you know, eye or, or one of my eyes or however that works, you know, ultimately is losing uh, care about it. And, and that also kind of worries me too. So that's why I'm saying I'm not trying to like stand up for it. I totally agree with what you're saying. It's those little things that kind of get in, you know. So right now I'm not worried, but if I said something about whatever, you know, the military industrial complex, or I think that, uh, you know, uh, Israel is trying to perform genocide on the Palestinians and that comes back and they have some record of that and now I'm I'm on a list but it, you know as we go back and forth in this conversation it keeps coming up in my head like I'm already on all the lists and so is everybody I know <laughs> you know so I feel like we're there but I I, told, I still agree with you that it is nefarious but I, I have to admit I have this a certain sense of defeatism as well where it's like well here we are you know yeah yeah, and I can understand that. I mean, it, it, yeah. it is kind of like, you know, it's almost like 
it, there's no point in making efforts to try and maintain some sense of privacy because it's almost like it you can't do anything about it. It's like if they really want information on you, they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that also is that true. kind I mean, of weird sharing of information. So something I was reading, I can't remember what article, they were talking about the fingerprint database, right, for criminals. Mm-hmm. You get arrested, you get fingerprinted. Well, having worked in schools and maybe even in the medical industry, you also have to get fingerprinted just to because you're working with children. And, mm-hmm. and so they're merging those two databases. So now all of a sudden somebody who's never committed a crime is in the same database as the people that have committed crimes. And how can they use that information against you? And what if it's a you know, a false positive or whatever, you know, those kinds of things I I think are what people are worried about as far as privacy goes, you know, here we are just trying to do our job and we have to do this to do this job. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden we're in this huge database and maybe you get pulled over and you, you know, your fingerprint comes up and oops, it says you're a criminal when you're really not. And you know, it's just a, a nightmare. Or even uh, situations where the police arrest somebody and they take their DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they find out 30 years later they're innocent (laughs) after they spent all this time in jail. Or even newborn babies where they uh, secretly have been taking their DNA for like the last, what, 20 years or so? What are they doing with that information? Well, the military, too. The U.S. military does that, too, for soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of freaks me out, personally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And it's going sure. beyond that too. I mean, fingerprints is kind of like pff, that's like so old school. Now they're mm-hmm. doing like facial recognition scans, DNA, all this kind of stuff. I mean, in China, apparently they're using facial recognition to like catch criminals on like a wide scale basis. You know, it's, they'll do it's scans of now. crowds and stuff like that, and find people like everybody from like a jaywalker to like an embezzlement guy. Yeah. Embezzler, I guess that would be 60,000 people. Yeah, a crowd of 60,000 people, they managed to identify um, one offender via the scanning that you were just saying, Doug. Yeah, it's very powerful now. Uh, So is voice recognition. You combine that with the fingerprint data and all the other data that you have. I guess that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the source of my my this feeling of defeatism that I'm starting to experience is just like, man, it's so it it really is Skynet already. You know, now it's just a matter of like refining it. Well, I can understand when you get that sense of defeatism because it's not like any of us were clamoring for all of this new technology. They just mm-hmm. pushed it on us and then we go along with it. So who's to say they're not going to continue to push stuff on us and we're going to continue to go along with it? Even if you don't participate in having all these new gadgets, I mean, you're still part of that whole world. Yeah. Well, it's like well, being bombarded at the gas station with those ads. It's advertisement. Oh, you know, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling like a Slurpee right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, so I it's, my, it's like mind that. programming, too, <laughs> in a very subtle level. Absolutely. Sp- speaking from the point of view of somebody who works in tech and having this stuff around me, I, I don't feel I'm not somebody who does like the social media posts like Ooh, I fell in the shower this morning haha <laughs> you know like <laughs> where you're posting every little thing that you did um, that's totally not me at all and I prefer to be in the woods I prefer to be away from the house so that's I think why I have so much cognitive dissonance about this because 
you know, I find myself being roped into it in some sense. And, and my clients are like, do you have this app or do you have that utility? And we need you to use this so we can communicate. And, and, and now I have, I'm surrounded by computers, you know, and so here we are. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. And now then you get into the thing where um, there are things that I could do, but they would slow me down and that would hurt the business, you know. So you start to just be like, ah, and I imagine a lot of people feel that way. They feel torn, you know, dissonant, stressed out. And then you add on top of that all the EMF and the effects that that produces. Yeah. Um, it's pretty heavy. But the, oh. the piracy, or piracy, sorry, the privacy thing, <laughs> I, I think is uh, is really, really uh, fascinating and where it's going to go. I, I had a point because you were talking about how, how it's going to progress to where we assign, or, you know, like you said, picking one person out of 60,000. I can see some of this starting to where, like, in Chicago recently, and I mentioned this in a, in a recent show, there was a man who was arrested for shouting racial slurs at a woman um, for being from Puerto Rico and saying, get out of my country. And he was obviously an idiot, and he was probably mentally unstable, but he was charged with two felony hate crimes for doing that. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this man who, again, is probably mentally unstable, I'm not saying he deserves anyone to be nice to him, but he doesn't deserve two felony counts. You know what I mean? So there is that fine line there. But I could totally see where in the future um say as an example i i had a friend uh uh this woman who was uh, a latino woman who wore high heels all the time and she called them puerto rican fence climbers and so that was funny and we would all laugh you know um but i could totally see where now if in a certain context you could find a recording you know or an instance of somebody saying something like that that could be a racial slur and now you've got a hate crime on your hands well yeah i mean a good example of that is on uh twitter as well people combing through people's yeah. tweets, you know, from years and years and years ago and finding something, you know, moderately offensive. And uh, mm-hmm. suddenly that person just gets like raked across the coals, you know, something they said 10 years ago. It's kind of crazy. The internet For sure. is forever. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, oh, what was the other case recently? Shoot. Maybe it'll come back to me. But those, the, the beginnings of that kind of thing are happening now, I think, where we can see signs that, um, like, it's cliche, but minority report, you'll be able to yeah. predict, you know, that you're going to say something racist, you know, or something like that. Like, yeah. granted, that's an extreme example, but things along those lines are starting to happen. Hmm. Well, there's already an algorithm, uh, AI algorithm that can detect with like 80% accuracy if you're gay. Or if you're straight. Well, yeah. Is it called Gator? <laughs> it should be, but I don't think it is. I don't know what exactly the purpose, I mean, what kind of benefit would it be to find out if somebody is gay? It, right. I think it was, uh, I, I read an article about the guy who invented it, and he was basically just like, you know, testing out AI for different things. And it was one thing, like, you know, he was looking through pictures on some kind of like, pickup site or something like that and kind of noticed that there seemed to be kind of facial characteristics between versus gay versus straight and kind of wrote this algorithm to do it and it was just kind of doing it as an exercise and published a paper on it and then it got picked up by the media and everybody started completely freaking out about it and um and there's been a lot of criticism of it too like they said that you know there could be any number of things that it's picking up it could be like hairstyles or you know it's not necessarily facial features like it could be like you know even the way the camera is held or something like that like there, there could be any number of like 
more social, um, socially imposed things that would be, uh, it might be picking up on. But nonetheless, mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, an interesting thing, and that's a, that brings us back to the whole privacy thing. I mean, you know, what yeah. if somebody isn't out, you know, and they yeah. are, and and they suddenly are outed by a piece of software? Right. Like, that's kind of that's got some pretty big implications. Yeah, or uh, the trans issue, like we've spoken about before, and and like I've mentioned, and I stand by this because I know I've talked to some of these folks who say that they just essentially want to be left alone, and if like I'm not saying it across <coughs> the board, but uh, specifically. Um, you know that that a, a, a man who transitions to be a woman wants to be a woman and wants to be known that way you know and so if that were the case and they're leading a professional life as a woman you know to out them is incredibly damaging and now they you know you know people will think what they think and they might lose their job and all this kind of stuff you know so yeah it is a concern yeah. um so i remember the example i was going to give there's a company called we work who just, I don't know if you guys saw this, they just instituted a, poli a vegetarian policy at their company. <laughs> and uh, it's very interesting because uh, they're not saying that their employees have to be vegetarian, but they won't reimburse you uh, if you uh, buy meat, like at a, uh, at a company dinner or, you know, if you're on a trip or whatever like that. And in their corporate bylaws, it's a courtesy. The reimbursement is a courtesy. So you can't sue the company for not paying for you if you order a burger. Um, so they also mm. stop stocking any meat products in their building for employees to have while they're there. So it's this interesting fine line where they can't, the employees can't complain yet, but how long is it going to be before they hook into their smart fridge and say, whoops, you bought a steak, you know, now you're going to get docked or whatever, however that works, um, because if a company writes those into their, into their bylaws, you can essentially do whatever you want as long as it doesn't conflict mm. with, you know, federal or state law. But that's kind of tricky, too. So I imagine we're going to see a lot of crazy lawsuits coming up and then, yeah, you know. But, yeah, well, it's, it's going to be a quagmire for sure. Sorry, Tiff. Is, uh, having these smart appliances, uh, people can hack into your house, essentially. And even if you aren't mm -hmm. really doing anything wrong or breaking any laws, what if one of these hackers knows you personally and maybe they have something against you? They yeah. could fabricate something and put it out there or uh, there are some hackers that are using like smart appliances for sending phishing emails and malware and spyware and yeah. all that stuff. Well, somebody yeah. does that and it comes up that you are the person who did it and you really didn't yeah that's very real i mean i i mm. I, I don't and don't intend on getting a, a smart security system of any kind because i think that's really dumb <laughs> no pun intended because <laughs> uh, those can be hacked you know right now with my google home nobody can get into the house because of that but you know that's a small point uh a lot of people do have that a lot of people have their homes entirely enabled you're talking fridge lights thermostat, locks, cameras, windows, everything mm -hmm. is, is all enabled and controllable on Wi-Fi and hackable, therefore. You know, the well, you can are, let the delivery man in to, you know, put your Amazon package inside yeah. your house instead of leaving it at the front door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think like you, you mentioned teleportation, I, uh, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't be surprised probably not in my lifetime I would imagine um, but later if, if we last that long uh, that they will figure out sending products like Star Trek like you can print out a green tea in your kitchen you know <laughs> <laughs> it'll be 
called Amazon Beam. <laughs> Start Straight. working on that technology yeah. right now, Jonathan. Yeah. Straight to the brain. Mm-hmm. What about just Am- eliminating the middle thing and just uh, sending it straight to your brain and you think right, you yeah. got the green tea latte. Exactly. <laughs> you feel and you satiated. Convinces your guts that you got nutrients and then everybody just starves. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's bizarre. I, I don't think that we will entirely descend into a complete dystopian nightmare because one thing you can count on everybody wanting is convenience and comfortability. <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, so the complete nightmarish scenario, I'm not sure, but nightmarish for a lot of people who feel like they see what's going on, you know, and I feel conflicted about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting where it's going. I, I will tell you the most annoying thing that I find about this whole thing is like, I've had my phone number online for some time because of our business and my email is out there. I get maybe 1200 spam messages a week, probably maybe mm-hmm. even more. Um, I get at least 10 to 15 spam phone calls a day. So I don't answer phone numbers that I don't recognize anymore. Um, so that is the most annoying part to me about all that. It's not really like the the menacing surveillance. It's the advertisers mm-hmm. for me. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't think on an individual level that it's a big deal if somebody wants a smart refrigerator. No. But if it gets to the point where, like even now I think it's already at the point, like if you want to buy a new TV, it's going to be a smart TV. There's pretty much yeah. all the types of TVs they make now. Yeah. So eventually it's going to you're going to have a smart washing machine and a smart refrigerator and smart microwave and whatever else. That's the part that bothers me. You have no choice. Right. To opt out of that. Kind yeah, of it's kind of true. It's like they 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 don't even bother making the dumb ones anymore. Mm-hmm. Even though they'd be cheaper and I I think that the the benefits of having something smart, I mean just the fact that it has Wi-Fi in it, like that is super annoying. Mm-hmm. I would have to yeah. figure out how to kind of disable that or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's already hard to get internet with the cord. Mm-hmm. Right. It is. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to put push Wi-Fi on you. Yeah. I mean, I is. suppose if you had to buy all these smart appliances, you could just not hook it up to the internet. But yeah, still. Well, and I mean, there are like if you wanted to do your own like internal wired you know, intranet kind of thing, but you have to have a lot of mm-hmm. experience and technical knowledge to do that. So yeah, it's, it's not also available for like, everybody. It keeps coming back to why for me, like, yeah. why do I want my washing machine to be hooked up to the internet? I just don't know. Cause it's cool, Doug, it, cause it's cool. It wants to watch cat videos while I'm not. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the same reason you have a beast mode on a Tesla or whatever it's called insanity mode. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a cool factor. So, yeah. but you know, while we get crazy things like that, then we get people like Musk, you know, who says he's going to pay for the the Flint water crisis in Michigan, you know. So it's like there's there's good and bad. I don't know if he actually will do that, but that's that's right. Well, that's what kills me with all the smart technology. It's like what, and you can't figure out that the water's totally polluted and fix yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can have your smart meters, this, that, the other thing, but you can't deal with the very basic of life, which is clean water. Yeah. Yeah, we got, I, I can I can put in a trolling motor and turn on an iPad in a lake and have 
the computer troll me to exactly where the fish is and I can see the fish on the screen and then I can put a lure on its head and that's <laughs> retarded it's totally retarded but uh, they can't st- you know analyze and come up with uh, ways to stop you know plastics from migrating you know and things like that and that's what we should be focusing on I don't need I can fish on my own like so I, that's a stupid example but you get what I mean you know like I think that's a really great point we really should be applying this technology to other things and I think there's mm-hmm. small, so like I live right next to an engineering school and I know a lot of people that are that way that are not on the yay technology train for like social media and all that stuff, but are very dedicated engineers, environmental scientists who are like, you know, this is great. We can use this stuff. Like right now in Lake Superior, you can send a text to a buoy and it will text you back the current weather conditions and wind speed and water temperature and all that. So okay, that's kind of cool. Handy. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, yeah. But how do we weigh all these things against the negatives? And do we need to come up with two big lists and see how long they each are, you know? Well, that's a good question because it does seem like a lot of these technologies or a lot of the directions that technology is going in, it's kind of like there's the good and then there's the bad. It's like there's there's like some of these things do seem kind of beneficial. And it's like allowing you access to information that you didn't necessarily have before. Like, I mean, the idea that, you know, you could swallow some kind of smart technology and it would be able to give you kind of the inside picture of your body and you know your health you know if like you know your venous system is working properly the status of your liver the status of your heart all these kinds of things like that that can actually be a very good thing but then at the same time that information can then be used in kind of more nefarious ways by like um, health insurance companies or something along that or suddenly ads for pharmaceutical medications start showing up on your Facebook all the time and stuff like it's like mm-hmm. there there does seem to be like you know there's there's a beneficial technology and then there's inevitably somebody out there who's going to exploit it yeah for sure uh I had a creepy thing recently. You know how we talked about things showing up in your email or in the ads that you didn't type anywhere? Yeah. So we talked, remember we talked a, a, a number of weeks ago about fungus and we were talking about Paul Stamets? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have not, I swear, I swear I have not written his name. I have not written the word fungi. I haven't looked up Paul Stamets, anything like that. And for the last two weeks, I've been getting Paul Stamets ads for his uh, health company in my Facebook feed. I was like, is that connected well, <laughs> yeah. that's it might your be Google Home yeah, exactly. yeah well you've that's what I'm saying that you test 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 you guys there yeah hello can Hi, the, can can the audience hear us right now Uh, nobody's saying anything yet. Yeah. Audience, can you hear us? Yeah, I don't know what's I'm going to tell them to try refreshing. Man, I was bearing my soul and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be that Google smart home though, mate. It must yeah. be, yeah. They shut me down. They like shut them down. <laughs> I was thinking about the Paul Stamets thing. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. But see, uh, oh, I guess I shouldn't start. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> chatters, can you hear us yet?
no dice. Huh. Well. Oh, it's working. Oh, Keith says it's working. Anybody else? Can you hear us? Hello, hello. Buffering. Buffering, refreshing. I think they might be able to. No, no change, change with refreshing. refreshing. Sound okay. So some people can oh, hear us and some can't. Some people can't. can hear us, yeah. Good now. All right, okay. sorry, guys. I guess uh, Google shut down our uh, our show over my connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what you were okay, talking so about is interesting, Jonathan, because like I, I have heard of people saying that they've said things near a phone that yeah. wasn't even necessarily doing anything or wasn't even necessarily active. And all of a sudden what they were talking about starts showing up in there at the advertisements on Facebook or on whatever website. Yeah, I wanted to say, I didn't mean to sound willfully, willfully ignorant about that. I do. I know that that's the case. I know that it heard me and then it served me ads based on what I heard. I don't know whether it was Google Home or Facebook or Apple or who it was, but somebody did. And then they sent that to an advertiser and that advertiser sold that data and the company that Paul Stamets owned signed up for a Facebook ad campaign and so it matched that data with his request and then I got his ad. Yeah. Know. And that is insane when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Because the thing is like there as far as I know nobody's being upfront about that that they're actually doing that. Mm -hmm. Um I mean there's different there's all kinds of different controversies around and stuff about people having like snippets of conversations recorded by smart TVs or you know Google Home or Alexa or whatever. And, you know, find, I, I don't remember the specifics of the cases, but, like, you know, there was different things where somehow that, that information got out or something like that. And mm -hmm. it's like they're not being particularly upfront about what's really going on with that. Like, yeah. if they are, in fact, actually, you know, analyzing the, the voice data that they're getting and then using that to target ads. Um, yeah. I mean, because they could still say, you know, it's just a coincidence, guys. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like you said, and I think, again, I, I'm just trying to be kind of vulnerable and honest about how I feel. That's why I keep saying I feel conflicted, because that's how I feel about it. But uh, they can find anything about you. They have been able to for quite some time. I mean, you really have to be like, uh, you know, Ted Kaczynski uh, in, in practice if you're, if you're going to, you know, like hide, quote unquote. You, you got to have your mail sent to a P.O. box. You can't have anything smart. It's all got to be wired in. You got to be off the grid, you know. So you have to first have a bunch of knowledge and then be willing to live that way to do that. It is, I think that is kind of one of the nefarious things about how this is all becoming obligatory. So more and more to get away from it, you have to, you have to have a lot of skills and you have to inconvenience yourself, you know. And I mean, it's, it's, there is going to be a point up where that just, I mean, it's already not practical, but I think it's right. going to get to the point where it becomes impossible. Where yeah. it's like you, you, I mean, once they do start doing facial recognition and things like that, it's like, you know, you can't actually escape at that point. I mean, living no. in a cabin in the woods, but you know, they're talking about getting planetary wide Wi-Fi and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. honestly, I think that we really have to kind of come to terms with the fact that this, this isn't really escapable forever. Yeah. Yeah. And with regard to ads and things, I think kind of the only way to get around that <laughs> is to, to try and develop some willpower, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
get to know, be honest with yourself. What do you need to buy? What don't you need to buy? Because really, in terms of like the the technicalities, it's uh, like Doug, you just said it, it will be impossible soon. But I would say it's it's close to impossible now. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's very difficult to say the least. Um, and so with things like ads, I'd say that's relatively benign compared to some of the other stuff that we could consider may happen in the future. Yeah. Um, it's relatively benign, and I think you can kind of overcome um, whatever sort of targeting they, they're doing by simply just deciding not to buy things that you don't need. Yeah. Um, on on the topic of sort of Facebook, um, you know, there's kind of multiple schools of thought on this and there's lots of different people with different opinions but some people might say okay facebook is like collecting all of our data um they're keeping tracks of everything that we do um and so i'm gonna completely delete my facebook account and i'm gonna go off the grid so to speak they still use google they still use all of these things but they just don't go on facebook and we briefly spoke about this on the show. Now, I at one point used to think that that was, um, I used to kind of agree with that in some respects, but more recently over the past couple of years, I've tended toward thinking that like weighing up the cost and the benefit. And so what do I primarily use Facebook for? Um, I maybe 20% of it is keeping up to date with people that I don't see regularly anymore and the only way to sort of contact them is through Facebook Um, but really 80% of the time if not more I spend it sharing information and so I share sort articles I share different articles that I see um, and I think this is information that is worth spreading. It's the truth. And in in a in the age of lies, you know, with so much bullshit out there that comes from mainstream sources, I think it's important. Um, uh, it's something that I value personally. Is is sharing that knowledge, sharing the true information. And so, if you look at the amount of people, I mean, I have quite quite a lot of Facebook friends. I have about two thousand five hundred. Um, now, by most people's standards, that's quite a, quite a few. And Sorry. so if you think of the potential of me sharing an article that dispels some of the lies that uh, almost counteracts the, 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 the nonsense spewed by the mainstream media, if I could reach just one person with that truth and open their eyes and make them think about things a little bit differently, I would say that all of the ads and all of the data collection was worth it mm. you know and i think um if you if you wait up like that what do you value and and i personally value sharing truth uh through the avenue of facebook because it can potentially reach so many people mm. i value that more than i would say um it, you know, more than um, I tried to get away from the, the data collection and stuff, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's good, a point. good point. Yeah. yeah. I think that that is actually one benefit of our connected thing. And it's, again, it's kind of like the, the positive side of the technology. It's like, uh, you know, by being on the internet and being so connected, we do have the ability to share information and kind of... Uh, you know, put information out there, but also collect information. Um, and, you know, it kind of 
hone our reading instrument in a lot of ways, kind of like sort through the crap that we see to find the good stuff. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like developing a new skill set, I guess. Yeah, I think uh, I really appreciate that you brought that point up too, because uh, I'll find myself going the opposite way many times and not saying anything on Facebook because I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, this is pointless. I'll go mow the lawn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but point is, I feel like I'm I'm probably wrong in a lot of those cases, and I think you're making a really good point there, where it's not pointless because if you reach one person who might think about it or might take a second look the next time, you know, the Washington Post comes out with a bullshit article or something. <laughs> then uh then that's worth it. Yeah. Is it uh, worth it for just one person or should it be like more like ten people? Then <laughs> so how could you quantify? It's difficult to quantify like that. Yeah. Well it's hard yeah. to know because a lot of people might look at the things that you post and they don't like it or comment or anything, but it doesn't mean that it didn't affect them. So there's really no way of knowing. Well it's maybe interesting it because it comes mm-hmm. back later to blossom in a sense mm-hmm. where they saw it and then maybe a year well, later they're more well, open to it. That's true because you might think that you're not reaching many people and I've actually had on several occasions people have contacted me directly mm-hmm. on the messenger and said, Elliot, what do you think of this? Um, because of all of the other articles. Now these are people yeah. who've never liked them. They don't publicly come out and and sort of put a badge on the post and say I acknowledge this I you know I appreciate you posting this maybe because they feel um, you know maybe because they're nervous or maybe because you know they don't want to sort of expose themselves to be crazy conspiracy theorists or something I don't know but I think that you know even though someone doesn't like the post uh, you know there may be more people and in my own experience I've found that people do read it they just don't tell you that they've read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but that brings up something interesting. I'm kind of changing tacks here a bit, but you think about people who are those people, right, who are reading your posts on social media, but they're not actually acknowledging it. Um, so that brings back the whole kind of privacy thing. I mean, what if it gets to a point where your privacy is so eroded that you don't actually have the option of not, not publicly stating you know what what you agree with and what you don't agree with you know if your right. private conversations are being brought up and all all these different kinds of things like a 1984 scenario where everything that you say or do is being watched at all times so it's like yeah. they know that you spent enough time on that page to have read that full article and then they watch your behavior after that and see if you were actually looking at any other related material or something along those lines. I don't know. This is just off the top of my head, but it kind of is like a lot of times, you know, I think that that the attitude that, well, I have nothing to hide. And it's kind of like, well, at some level, everybody, I think, has something to hide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Well, if... Oh, I'm sorry, Elliot. Just to your point, Doug, uh, and that's, I think, where where my... uh, The thing that I was observing earlier, talking about losing concern over being watched is... uh, is where that falls down because the more and more you are watched the more the likelihood increases that you will be bothered you know for something Mm -hmm. so i can say all day long i don't care if you watch me just leave me alone well you know not leaving me alone is an is an inevitability Mm. you know or or me the royal me i guess anyone you know (laughs) the royal me me. (laughs) 
but yeah, it leads I, to that. It leads to that. So watching is not innocuous because the the outcome is ultimately enforcement of some rule, some law, something. You know. Right. I was just gonna say that Doug, if it gets to that point, then we're all screwed. Yeah, <laughs> it's too late. They've got everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's gonna go that way, then I guess just um, uh, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I already know a lot of people. Uh, again, referencing the place where I live, being rural, you know, a lot of Trump supporters here, out and out, like flags in the yard kind of thing. Um, but who are uh, simultaneously trying to not talk about what they think so much, you know? And similarly with people on the left uh, and people all over the spectrum, because everybody's freaked out about saying what they think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as am I. I, I avoid saying probably five to ten things a day on Facebook because I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to say that. Uh, it's like you just want to avoid the shit storm that's inevitably going to come. Yeah, like, a, uh, for example, a friend of mine just invited me to this group uh, that is like a social uh, justice group, but not hardcore SGW. It's more like we the people that's band together. Okay, cool. So I took a look at it. And there's a video about, you know, how Russian trolls infiltrated the United States. I'm like, okay. So I, uh, I wanted to, I actually wrote half of a message to this guy who is my friend and was going to explain why I wanted to decline his invitation to the group. And I deleted it because I was like, this is not going to do anything. And I'm wasting my time right now. So just don't click join and just leave it alone. You know, and that, I, that bothers me because that sense of like, uh, whatever is it coming up more and more in my mind. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's no good, because as soon as everybody says whatever, then the psychopaths can just do whatever they want. So That's true. It's like Jordan Peterson says, speak the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, don't the psychopaths this... do what they want to do they kind of anyway? Do that. yeah, that's but then the nobody whole will be there to point of being right. a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No matter how much people protest and say, no, don't do this, they just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But at least if you say no more, I'm not going to stand for this. You're sending a signal out to the universe that you are not participating. And maybe, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, you won't get as screwed as someone else who doesn't say anything or goes along with it. Yeah, yeah that's the way, that's what I was just going to say, Tiff. Like if it get, I mean the way it's going, and if it really gets to that point, then it's kind of like things are so far gone, um, and it's probably not going to turn out well anyway. And you kind of have mm -hmm. to make a decision for your soul. You know, do you do you act in favor of your soul and your values? Do you value truth, and do you can you almost you know put truth before your immediate safety almost if that makes yeah. sense mm -hmm. uh, now now you need to be clever but at the same time like you know if you look throughout history there there comes a time when someone has to speak the truth and it's almost like you you align with something higher than than yourself you know and i, I like... kind of hope it doesn't get to that point but yeah. <laughs> there's a very likely possibility that it might and so yeah. Maybe if there is a part of you that goes on after this physical body, you know, after this life, then maybe by acting in favor of that part of yourself, then that would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. 
I mean, it's like Peterson says, and I'm paraphrasing, this is not a quote, but uh, something to the effect of if you say no and stand by it, somebody will come up and try to force you to say yes. And so you, at a certain point, if you're saying no to something, you have to put your foot down and be like, no, you know, and that, you know, and that's happening now with, with language. Um, mm -hmm. So, and of course, you know, all of this, I mean, the whole infrastructure we're talking about, even surveillance, I think I would argue is, is based in, in language, the social media, you know, the meaning that we send each other, how we interpret, why we hate people, why we love people is, is because of the information that we've gotten from them and what we see about their character based on what they've said and what they do. So of course, actions are, are different, but you know, the language changing at its core and people saying, you can't say this and you can't say that, or this is what that means. It's not what you think it means. That is going to bubble up into the very fabric of our of our being because that's the basis for how we make meaning is these words. So, yeah, it's gonna it's already pretty dark, but um, I don't know. Like I said, I still stand by. I think that like people are not going to make themselves uncomfortable, but they will comfortably slide into a, a jail cell. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I feel that too. That's why I was trying to be like kind of vulnerable and honest about like the tech that I have around me and how I feel about it because I'm using it for work. I'm supporting myself, blah, blah, blah. But I'm conflicted too. And, you know, I feel, is it eroding my willpower? Am I shifting into this sense of not caring what goes on in the world? You know, I don't think so. But it's, I can sense it and I can totally, now I feel like I have a basis for observing why people feel that way. And why people are just like, I don't care, you know, because if you never worked at it, if you never thought about not caring and didn't like try to figure it out, you would just, you know, care less and less about pretty much everything that's going on. Yeah. I mean, there is some of that kind of just going along with the crowd. It's kind of like, oh, well, this is what we're doing now. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah we'll see where it goes. I think like that, that idea of, you know conveniently imprisoning yourself is probably going to happen more and more, you know, to where yeah. the smart devices become ubiquitous and you can't find the older ones. Um, so you have to be connected, you know, and so that method of, of staying connected is going to become the norm. Um, and uh, I was just reading recently about the uh, the power grid in the U.S. and how it's made up of these three major zones and exactly how fragile that is. And that is what holds this whole thing up. So that thing goes down and all these kids don't have their iPhones. Uh, it's going to be yeah. a bad day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For some people for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost, it's also gotten to the point where they're actually building these smart cities. Mm. Like the entire city is like connected wow. in some way. There's like Wi-Fi everywhere. Surveillance is constant, you know, analyzing traffic patterns, buying behavior, you know, how people congregate in different places. It's just like massive amounts of data being uh, like constantly uh, gathered. Um, and, you know, they say, you know, in, in one sense, it's like they say, you know, we're doing this so that we can better design the city or, you know, we can we can analyze traffic patterns and, and kind of come up with uh, solutions for like rush hour gridlock and all this kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't think that it's it's necessarily like terrible across the board. But then, you know, just with all what we just learned last week about the, the wireless stuff and to have, like, you know, they're even talking about having Wi-Fi-enabled sidewalks that are like, pumping out <laughs> Wi-Fi signals. It's just yeah. like... Yeah, Wi-Fi furniture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your clothing. 
It's sure. like your shirt's giving off uh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. no like uh, snowboard and ski jackets that you can get that have batteries in them for for heaters and a battery charger for your phone and you know all that kind of stuff. That built Seriously, into the eh? Yeah, it's like lined with lithium batteries. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Not entirely, obviously, but they're in there anyway. That's yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. you know, this is this is the future that we've dreamed about. Essentially, it's well, like Star Wars come to life or Star Star Wars Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, totally is. I mean, what I think is really fascinating about this, and I think kind of what Peterson is hitting on in his tour and what he's talking about is uh, who is the authority structure around this new system? You know, as we get more and more tech and everybody's, you know, and like you said, the cities are smart and everything is tied in. Well, okay, so I know that I shouldn't, but ignoring just for the sake of the argument, the, the EMF side of things and just looking at the surveillance and the control and stuff like that uh, if we had this technology and if it were not physically damaging and we could use it properly it would be incredibly powerful incredibly mm -hmm. powerful you know what I mean we could do so much I and mean, we could feed every single person on this planet no problem no problem at all like within a couple of months so um, stuff like that but you know we don't have that and now the new authority structure that seems to be coming into place or at least who is like fighting for authority uh is saying that i'm going to tell you how you can think and act and if you don't do that you're going to be punished mm -hmm. and and now those people are going to have that tech at their disposal to enforce those rules and that's kind of yeah. what freaks me out freaks me out too yeah it's kind of like you know one of the things with all this technology is that like you know humans have kind of always just been stumbling blind you know like as our technology and culture progresses and stuff it's not like anybody sits down and says okay this is uh you know the the direction that we think uh we should try and develop our technology maybe you know at corporate levels and things like that i'm sure that they are doing that but nobody's looking at the big picture and saying what's best for humanity what's going to be kind of the technology that will kind of aid us in kind of being the best that we can be yeah. It's sort of like it's just this kind of blind thing. I mean, because I think because profit drives pretty much everything, it sure. seems like it's just this blind meandering right. path. And we've never really like kind of all sat down and been like, okay, where are we going here? What are we doing? <laughs> like, what's the yeah. end goal? Like what or, you know, at least th the next step, like where, where do we want to be? It's kind of just like, hey, look, you know, now I can make my jacket charge my iPhone. And it's like, okay, well, let's do that then. And, yeah. you know, there's no thoughts about repercussions or, like, where where this, what direction this is going to kind of take us all in. So it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like the, the control, the people at the controls, like, aren't there. There's, like, nobody there. Nobody's directing this thing. Nobody's steering the bus. Right. It's just kind of right. going. So yeah. it would be nice if um, kind of we all just kind of slowed down and said, okay, wait a second. What are we trying to do here? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. I don't think that'll ever happen. Because <laughs> everybody has their own idea of what they think a utopia might be. Yeah. And, I mean, there's always going to be people who want to control other people. That's just the way the world works. So I don't know how it can be stopped if a bunch of maniacs have a, all have a different idea of what utopia is and they're going to drive us into this utopia come hell or high water I mean what are we to do yeah uh, <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know be careful be vigilant you know 
So I I vote for dystopia. <laughs> We're already there. Yeah. Well, I think that like uh, when I had brought up that um, the article about the man, the the, the clearly uh, mentally you know unstable man who was shouting at this woman and got two felonies. Where I saw that was a friend of mine who posted it and said, "Yes, we need more of this." And I oh, said, "Whoa!" I don't more of think, what? You know, Giving people felonies? Yeah, arresting people for speech. saying the wrong shit. Yeah, mm. that's that's. It's not even a joke. It doesn't even need to be interpreted. That's what they want. They want police to arrest people for saying stuff that they don't agree with. It's the enforcement of law, and it's pardon my French, but it's utter bullshit because they are. You know, you're going to talk about like. Uh, authoritarianism and the and the uh, you know the um, the evils of the empire and wear a Che Guevara jacket and try to look cool and then throw somebody in jail for saying a bad word. You don't get to do that, <laughs> but yeah. they will get to do that because somehow they're getting traction. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's totally cognitively dissonant. It's 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 totally meandering. It's completely baseless. And it's and they have a lot of power and a lot of tech. You know, to the point that we're talking about and a lot of steam. Um, and, uh, you know, they're like, the towel, the tools are too powerful for, for how mature a lot of these people are. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, what, what's all come out about Google since the whole, uh, James Damore memo thing, um, you know, and their, their kind of view of things and that they are kind of the most powerful technological company in the world, arguably, arguably. So, yeah, I mean, these are the guys who are, th these are the guys listening to your uh, conversations, Jonathan, in your home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least Elon Musk and some other tech giants, at least they promise not to build killer robots. Yes, I saw <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at I, least I do we don't have to worry about that. Skynet. <laughs> Even though DARPA I, is doing the very that very same thing, I do find myself uh, being aware of, you know, we'll just call him Agent Johnson, um, because like there are times where like we'll be talking and joking, and, and like uh, where I live is an island that's connected by a bridge. It's the only way off, and uh, we'll be like, man, I wonder what it would be like if somebody took that bridge out, and then all of a sudden you're like. Oh, joking. We're talking about a hypothetical, uh, you know. And you point your you point your mouth at the speaker like, um, uh, that was a joke. And what what scares me is so that's funny, sure, uh, and it makes me laugh too. But I, it's not entirely uh, whimsical when I do it. No. There is a little part of me that does thinks that somebody's hearing me say that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I still put stickers <laughs> so, on my video camera on my f laptop and well, my that's home. A good yeah, idea. I do that too. You little NSA tape. But yeah. they can still hear you, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, then, yep. when you got to start yep. whispering around your computer, yeah. <laughs> turning the faucets on, <laughs> your water bill's gonna go up. Or like you see in movies, turn up the classical music so they can't yeah. hear your conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, I really think. I mean, unless you do the, uh, you know, now. Like Larry, who we had on the show, who is uh, obviously incredibly intelligent and, and set up his uh, his personal network so that his transceiver is away from the house and all the wires run into the house and there's no EMF there. Um, you got to do that, I think, you know, to really get away from it. And uh, and that's not easy to do. So there are some like mitigating factors, though, like we've discussed. You can turn your uh, you know phone off when you don't need it and 
uh, for what it's worth, so maybe I can retain a little bit of respect, I do unplug everything at night <laughs> when I'm sleeping. <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> so, so I'm not unaware of it, but it's, you know, it's starting to weigh on me a little bit more as I think, like, man, we really should just wire this whole thing down. Um, but then I get a client who says, you know, like, hey, I couldn't get a hold of you for the last two hours. You know, oh, I didn't have my phone. Oh, why didn't you have your phone? We have an important job right now, you know, and it, yeah. things will go that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Man, why we always get up so depressing on these shows? <laughs> the state of the world. This the world is a depressing place, yeah. Well, let's lighten a little bit. We'll go to the pet health segment, and then uh, we'll wrap up when we come back. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the pet health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. You think you know all about even the story of the domestication? Well, listen up and you may still learn something additional and interesting. Have a great weekend and goodbye. Cats. We know that they like to chase lasers and lick their own butts, but there is a lot that we don't know about cute little whiskers, like where her cuddly domestic ancestors came from and when she evolved from wild animals. We used to think that the earliest historical evidence for domestic cats was from ancient Egypt, like art and mummified remains from around 4,000 years ago. But now, some clues are pointing to domestic kitties older than that from separate places across the globe. The oldest probably domestic cat skeleton we've found was in 2001 on the island of of Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. Scientists guessed that this cat lived around 9,500 years ago, which makes sense historically. That's after people started farming in the Fertile Crescent, that not totally desert region in parts of Western Asia and Northern Africa. Farming means you have to store extra crops somewhere, and piles of tasty grain attract rodents. And for hungry cats, that's an all-you-can-eat buffet. So one hypothesis is that feral cats might have started snagging some meals and getting cozy with humans. Humans were happy to have them too, because they took care of the pests, and and were fluffy and cute. By this time, we think humans had domesticated other animals like dogs, cattle, and sheep, so adding another furry friend wouldn't seem all that unusual. And we think this cat from Cyprus was a pet for a couple of reasons. First of all, Cyprus is an island with no native cats, so someone must have brought them over on a boat, and if they weren't a little tame, that would have been a scratchy, panicky animal mess. Like, you might know how hard it can be to get an uncontrollable kitty just to the vet and back. Plus, the cat was buried with a person, presumably its owner, and surrounded with carved seashells. Wild animals wouldn't get this special treatment, and if the cat was a meal, its bones would have been separate and probably scattered. All of this evidence lines up with a study published in the journal Science in 2007, which looked at the genetic origins of domestic cats. Those researchers found that our feline friends are most closely related to the wild cat Felis sylvestris, specifically the Near Eastern subspecies. Your eyes, also, if you look at this cat, will back this evidence up, because they look a lot like domestic cats. So lots of signs point to domestic cats splitting off from their wildcat cousins in the Fertile Crescent. But hold on, some other scientists discovered probably domestic cat bones in 2001 in an ancient millet farming village in central China. A close computer analysis of jawbone shapes showed that these cats weren't related to the wildcat at all. Instead, they were a kind of leopard cat, which is in an entirely different genus. From small animal tunnels throughout the excavation site and ceramic containers that looked like they stored grain, the researchers were pretty sure that this village had a 
rodent problem. And by looking at the carbon isotopes in cats' bones, it was clear that they ate lots of small animals that ate lots of human-grown millet. This was the first convincing evidence to support the domestic cats eat pests that eat grain hypothesis. But this domestication happened in different kinds of cats around 5,300 years ago on the other side of this huge landmass. So, what's the real story? The Middle Eastern or the Chinese domestication of cats? Well, there's no reason to think that domestication couldn't have happened twice in two separate places with two separate cat species when people started farming grain. But remember, genetically, all of our modern cats seem to be descended from the wild cat, not the leopard cat. Maybe the domestic wild cats were just snugglier and had a leg up to win our favor. See, domestication leaves its fingerprints in an animal's genome. So even though any cat person will joke that their cats are too independent to really be considered domesticated, we can look at these genetic fingerprints. A 2014 collaboration between a bunch of American universities took a close look at the domestic cat genome using 22 different breeds from different places. The study found recent changes in genes that controlled the development of the cat's nervous system. These genes could play a role in how domestic cats, for example, behave less defensively in new situations and can change their behavior in response to rewards. In other words, compared to a wild cat, Fluffy is genetically more likely to walk up to you with a friendly headbutt and beg for treats. This could explain why our cats are extra snuggly. The ones that got along best with humans could take advantage of our rodent pests and table scraps and survived to pass on their genes. So in a way, cats did domesticate themselves, and it seems like they did it more than one time. Which kind of means that the rise of cat videos was practically inevitable. Thanks for watching this episode of SciShow, which was brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Those goats are descended from wild goats, I guess. <laughs> oh, Could be. Yeah, that was that one bombed. <laughs> well, thank you, Zoya, for juxtaposing cute kittens with our end of the world dystopia. <laughs> So, um, lest we not bum everybody out completely, uh, is there a way to end on a late note? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Whistle past the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I don't know that there is one. Yeah. Keep your wits about you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. And I think maybe like to Elliot to the point that you were talking about. So we're talking about tech more specifically, but the topic of what you can say and can't say came up, you know? And so I would say like, I think one thing in regards to surveillance is basically, how do I say this? The thing that people are losing is the ability to stand by what they say and what they mean. And I, I feel that too. I feel less confident about things, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think a little thing that we could each do is to be ready for that moment when you're going to have to say, no, this is, I think that you're wrong and this is what I think. Not Granted, you don't want to just walk around confronting people all day, but there will come a moment where you have to say that and you can't be diplomatic every single time, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something that we could like kind of focus on because, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily a way to stop or mitigate the, the progress, call it progress, or the, the progression of this you know technological beast um i don't think we can do anything about that specifically i think what we can handle is the uh the social fallout so to speak mm -hmm. yeah i don't know yeah any concluders 
I think that says it all. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up for today. So uh, thank you, everybody in the chat who took part. We had some good comments today and uh, for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to the other SOT radio shows on, uh, tomorrow and Sunday. Uh, go to radio.sot.net uh, for that. You can see the local, the air times in your local time. Uh, and we will be back next week with a new topic, hopefully a little lighter. Maybe we'll do like puppies or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. kittens. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.